I want you to go through the whole Quran with me. Join me at bayina.tv. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم فتقبلها ربها بقبول حسن وأنبتها نباتا حسنا وكفلها زكريا كلما دخل عليها زكريا المحراب وجد عندها رزقا قال يا مريم أنا لك هذا قالت هو من عند الله إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَرْزُقُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابٍ هُنَالِكَ دَعَا زَكَرِيَّا رَبَّهُ قَالَ رَبِّ هَبْ لِي مِنْ لَدُنْكَ ذُرِّيَّةً طَيِّبَةً إِنَّكَ سَمِيعُ الدُّعَاءِ فنادته الملائكة وهو قائم يصلي في المحراب أن الله يبشرك بيحيى مصدقا بكلمة من الله وسيدا وحصورا ونبيا من الصالحين قال أنا يكون لي غلام وقد بلغني الكبر وامرأتي عاقر قال كذلك الله يفعل ما يشاء قال رب اجعل لي آية قال آيتك ألا تكلم الناس ثلاثة أيام إلا رمزا وَاذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ كَثِيرًا وَسَبِّحْ بِالْعَشِيِّ وَالْإِبْكَارِ رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي فالحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد everyone السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته So we start today inshallah with uh, trying to wrap up ayah number 36 <coughs> that we started or 37 rather that we started uh, talking about uh, some outstanding items فَتَقَبَّلَهَا رَبُّهَا بِقَبُولٍ حَسَنٍ We talked about how Allah accepted her prayer, the prayer of the mother of Maryam. But the language of it, there are some things that I skipped that I think need attention. فَتَقَبَّلَهَا as opposed to فَتَقَبَّلَ مِنْهَا She made a dua, you know, فَتَقَبَّلْ مِنِّي Accept from me. And the expected response from Allah is, so he, accept, he accepted from her. But instead of saying from her, Allah says he accepted her. Now that mean, means a few things that the mother of Maryam was accepted in everything that she does, not just this prayer. Meaning Allah completely and entirely accepted her life as a worshipper and her dedication to Allah. So it's beyond that dua that Allah accepted her. The other interpretation could possibly be that Allah accepted her child in every way. The child that she offered to Allah, Allah accepted that child. The ha could refer to the child. The other, some say that it could be referring to the word da'wah, meaning the call, another word for dua, meaning Allah accepted it, meaning the prayer. But then there's a switch over, وَأَنْبَتَهَا نَبَاتًا حَسَنًا that He allowed her to be raised uh, in the most beautiful of ways, and that's referring to Maryam. So that's one stand, outstanding item. Then the next thing is, وَكَفَّلَهَا زَكَرِيَّ and Zakaria took responsibility of taking care of her. Kafil in Arabic is someone responsible for someone else. Actually, kafal in Old Arabic was the... There's a blanket, kind of a, a soft material that they used to put over the hump of a camel. When they wanted to take care of that camel and make sure that it's comfortable when they're riding it, then they would put a kafal on top of it. And a camel that's extra taken care of has a kafal on it. So from it, you get the word kafil, caretaking, uh, guardianship, responsibility. 
sponsorship even. These are kind of the implications of the word kafal. Uh, so Allah says, Kafala ha Zakariya. Zakariya was the one who took care of or took responsibility of, of, of the guardianship of uh, Maryam Salam alayha. Zakariya alayhi salam uh, is the Imam of the masjid. He's the leader of the, the community. He's also a prophet of Allah, right? So that's, that's his role. And there are other aimma, there are other religious class people in the community that listen to his advice. He's basically, you can consider the grand Imam. He's the lead Imam of all of them. In the biblical account, we actually find that she was there and it's not necessarily that she was under the direct care of Zakariya all the time. But Quran says, no, she was under his, his guardianship the entire time. The other important thing is Allah does not mention here the a character named Joseph, which is mentioned in the, you know, the infancy gospel, which is, you know, they, they, they tried to marry her off and then, you know, give her away at the age of 16 and all of that. Allah removes all of that from the equation and says, no, Zakariya was responsible for her and that's it. That's the end of it. That's the discussion as far as Quran is concerned. وَكَفَّلَهَا زَكَرِيَّا وَكُلَّمَا دَخَلَ عَلَيْهَا زَكَرِيَّا الْمِحْرَابِ وَجَدَ عِنْدَهَا رِزْقًا and, and this is important because, you know, they said when she reached the age where she could have a child, then this happened. She hit puberty and then they moved her out and all of this. But Allah describes that she, this interaction with Zakariya and her is happening and then soon after, she's, the angels are coming to her in the same place and telling her you're going to have a child, right? So she hasn't moved out of there. She hasn't moved to somebody else's house. She remains in Al-Mihrab. The word Mihrab is going to be important here because he used to come visit her in the Mihrab and that's where they came, the angels came to her in the Mihrab. So that's, all of that is important because it, it's correcting the story that, was become, that had become popular among the Christians about what really happened with Maryam Salamun Alayha. And this is actually part of her, Allah's answer to you know, the mother's prayer that Allah keep her protected, that Allah does not put her in a, in a difficult position. And so here, وَكَفَّلَهَا Zakaria, And by the way, Zakaria, his name, السلام, um, even though it's a Hebrew name, it shares an origin with the Arabic language from dhikr, dhal as opposed to za. So it's actually someone who remembers Allah a lot. Uh, and it's interesting, Allah says, وَذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ كَثِيرًا Remember Allah a lot to Zakaria almost translating his name in the ayah. Okay, so even though that's not an Arabic name, if you study the original meaning of the word, it's someone who remembers Allah a lot. Okay, so, كُلَّمَا دَخَلَ عَلَيْهَا زَكَرِيَّ الْمِحْرَابَ وَجَدَ عِنْدَهَا رِزْقَ Every time, every single time, Zakaria would enter the, the mihrab, you know, to meet her. عَلَيْهَا and al-mihrab are two, you know, ظروف here. He entered upon her, meaning he came into her, her quarters to visit her. And this was the larger part of the mihrab. Now, what in the world is a mihrab? Nowadays, we think of a mihrab as the pulpit of the masjid, like the mihrab of the masjid, or the you know the sanctuary where the imam leads the prayer. That's the mihrab. That's a more modern meaning of the word mihrab. Originally, the word mihrab had some other implications, and I want to share those with you. Uh, Al-mihrab originally ma'wal asad. It's actually the you know, if you had a mountain and at the very top of the mountain there was a cave and that's where the lion stays, like the a lion's den, which is inaccessible. Smile here on camera. Okay. So, so uh, you know, a, a lion's den where the lion stays exclusive, it doesn't want to be bothered. That's actually called a mihrab. That place is called a mihrab. And from it some have derived a, a place that's higher above, it's private, like nobody will bother you, it's an inner sanctuary. That's a mihrab. 
Maybe there's some part of somebody's home that's exclusively for them. Nobody can bother them and it's, it's just them and their solitude. That place is called imihrab, okay? Uh, similarly, actually very differently, al-harib al-mushallih al-ghasib al-nahib al-ladhi yu'lin nas thiyabahum harab al-rajul yahrubuhu talaba akhada malahu wa tarakahu bil shay Actually, the, the robber uh, was called a harib who takes everything down to the clothes. Like someone who robs you of everything is actually called a harib. And from it you get the word harb as in war, we're going to rob them of everything. War as in we're going to take everything they have. Okay, And this is from the lazim form, hariba is actually a, a person who has nothing left. They're completely bankrupt. Ukhida maluhu kulluhu. All of his wealth was taken away. That's a, that's a person that has experienced harib. And from it you get the word war, uh, harb. Harb is in the Arabic language war. And that's used in the Qur'an for that, for that meaning. Now, what, what are the implications of the word mihrab? Some have tried to say it's not just a place that's exclusive, but it's also a place where you go before Allah bankrupt. In other words, it's a place where you, don't, you come before Allah complete faqir. You have nothing, you own nothing, you are nothing. You've been, everything's been taken from you. Others say, no, you, a mihrab is a place where you're in solitude with Allah or you know, in, in your prayers, where you recognize that the things you need have been taken from you. Like you, you come in a state of desperation when ni'mah has been taken from you, that's when you're in a place called mihrab. I would argue that the, the implication here is more about solitude and being alone, like the, the, the place mihrab originally in the Arabic language, a place where the animal is to be left alone and it's higher above. And in a figurative sense, a place of worship is, even if it's in elevation low, it's spiritually higher. Allah Azza wa mentions in, in the Quran, um, you know, like homes that Allah decide, that Allah allowed for them to be elevated. Homes that are elevated. So a masjid could be in a basement, but it's still an elevated place as far as Allah is concerned. So in that sense, a mihrab is a higher place of solitude and connection with Allah. And that means that a mihrab can be, it's different from a masjid. You can have a mihrab in your home. You can have a mihrab, you know, a corner of your home. That's just you and Allah. That's your space. And that's your mihrab. It could be a closet. For all that matters, you know, the inner part of your home, the jawful bayt, that can become a mihrab. So anyway, so he used to come and visit her in the mihrab. Uh, and he, when he used to come and visit her, uh, he would find wajada indaha rizqa. In her company, he would find, right by her, he would find provision. And some narrations say that this was fruits from out of season. Others say different things about different kinds of food, fruits. Um, and so, you know, fruit from out of season for us is okay. You can go to Walmart and you can find all kinds of inorganic fruit from out of season, you know, grown in a lab. You can find that. But when you are living in ancient times and there's a fruit that only grows in the summer and by the time it reaches, before it goes bad and you can still eat it, you, there's no way you're going to find fruit of the winter in the summer or fruit of the summer in the winter. That's impossible. So he would come in and he would see food in front of her that's not from that season that's out of season completely. And he would find other rizq. He knows nobody else comes and takes care of her. He's the kafil. Kafala hazakariya. He's the one who's in charge. So who's, who's giving you food? Where did you get this from? And she, he knows she doesn't leave. She doesn't go outside. She's dedicated to that place. So he would say, anna laki hadha. And anna is, in Arabic is different from kaifa. Kaifa means how. And laki hadha means you have this. So the sentence would be, how do you have this? So kafala hazakariya. He would take care of her and he's in shock. How in the world is she getting this food? 
So he would say, anna as in how, it's not just how, like a normal how, it's a shocked how. Laki hada, how do you have this? How do you have this? Anna laki hada, where did this come from? So she would respond very calmly, qalat huwa min indillah. She would say that it is from, especially from Allah. It comes especially from Allah. So she's used to divine intervention. She's used to food coming from, you know, from Allah Azza wa miraculously appearing. And it's not a shock to her that Allah has some special connection with her, that even her physical nourishment. So qalat huwa min indillah. She said, it is especially, it comes especially from Allah. That certainly Allah, He's the one who provides whoever He wants without any limits, without any restrictions. She's comfortable with this notion that Allah provides without physical means, without scientific explanation. She just turns around and food's there. It's appeared. And she knows it's from Allah. This is going to be important because it's foreshadowing that Allah is going to be providing her from Allah Himself, and something's coming to her. The rizq of a child is coming to her, and that's only from Allah. And that's something that she's already in some sense accustomed to, because Allah is providing her food in that way. And it's interesting that when, when Zakaria heard this, and he was so sure, and she's so sure this can only be from Allah, she adds the word inna, right? So she says, it is from Allah, certainly it is Allah. He provides whoever He wants, without any limits. And it's not just me that Allah provides, He provides everyone. So she's not even saying I'm special, she's saying this is who Allah is for everyone. So it's not a shock to her and she doesn't see herself as a special case. She just sees this is who Allah is, this is Allah's norm. And I've talked to you, I, I gave you a long explanation of Allah providing without hisab before. Right, so إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَرْزُقُوا مَنْ يَشَاءُ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابٍ Now at that moment, this is the, the, the beautiful thing about this part of our and we can move through some of these ayat, you know, rather quickly because the story is progressing. But uh, Hunalika. Hunalika means then and there. It's a varf of makan and zaman. Actually means then and there. Right at that moment, right in that place, as Zakariah who's himself a prophet of Allah, is sitting there hearing these words from this child, this girl. He couldn't help himself but make dua to Allah. Da'a Zakariah Rabbah. Zakariah called on his Rabb too. And he said, قَالَ رَبِّ هَبْلِي مِنْ لَدُنْكَ ذُرِّيَةً طَيِّبَةً Master, from your from your special behalf, from your special vaults of treasure, from somewhere that, that can only come from you, that's ladun, something that can only come from Allah. Give me the gift of good offspring. Give me the gift of a lineage that's good and pure. He's an old man, he can't have a child anymore, but he thinks to Allah, if Allah can produce fruit that doesn't grow in this season, then why can't I have a child that I'm out of season, my, my wife is out of season, and that's okay. Because she just reminded me Allah provides whoever He wants without any limits. And look at this case study. So he's thinking, he's looking at fruit and he's literally thinking, you know, in, in, in Arabic, thamarat, fruit, are also figuratively used for children. Right? So, You're going to be tested with loss of money, loss of people, and loss of fruit. And fruit is also considered fruit of your labor, also considered, you know, if we are the, the symbol of a tree or a plant, our children are our fruits. That imagery has already been given when Allah described the mother of Maryam as a plant, and Maryam is the fruit that's, that's been born, right? So he says, after seeing this provision of Allah, Ya Allah, provide me a child. ذُرِّيَةً طَيِّبَةً So it's a really beautiful, and, and wordplay is important here too. ذُرِّيَةً comes from ذَرَّة. ذَرَّة means seed. 
Seed goes back to fruit. He's seeing fruit in front of him. So it's a really beautiful wordplay in the ayat and how one thing inspires another. What we learn from this prayer of uh, Zakaria are a few important things. Previously in the beginning of this surah, we saw, Give us the gift of mercy. We asked Allah in the beginning of the surah, give us, the, grant us the gift of rahmah, which was wahi. Now we're seeing, Provide me offspring, a child. What we're learning is we ask Allah for spiritual nourishment in the beginning, and now we're asking Allah for material nourishment also. And we, we, we don't just want one kind of nourishment from Allah or the other, we want both of them. And actually one it comes before the other. The spiritual nourishment we ask for first in the surah. We asked Allah, you know, وَهَبْ لَنَا مِنْ لَدُنْكَ رَحْمَةً And Rahma was an alternative for wahi. And if you, if you remember what I was talking about then. Now, it's interesting that if you are inspired by revelation, then the way you even ask for a child is going to be different. He didn't just ask for a child. He said, ذُرِّيَةً طَيِّبَةً A good child, good offspring, offspring that is pure. طَيِّب is two things, goodness, خَيْرِ in it, and صَفَاء in it, purity in it. ذُرِّيَةً طَيِّبَةً So he asked Allah to give him the gift of good offspring. From it, of course, we learn immediately, when we ask Allah for children, we should ask Allah for good children not just healthy children. And tayyib actually is beautiful because it covers the material and the, it, it, you know, the worldly and the, the spiritual. Tayyib actually means healthy also, good also. Like, kulu mimma fil ardi halalan, tayyiban. Tayyib occurs for, you know, we don't just eat permissible food, eat food that's good, that's clean, that's pure. So it's, it's got this material dimension to it too. Tayyib um, is something that's pleasant. So tayyib also means something that will bring me happiness, that will make me feel good. That'll bring me peace. So those meanings are intended to. And of course, on the spiritual side, a purity and a, a tazkiyah is implied in it also. So when we ask Allah for children, we ask Allah for all of these things. You know, our, sometimes our children can become, in, in a material sense, in a social sense, uh, very successful. They can become popular, they can become wealthy, they can become, they can have status. But tayyib is missing. Goodness is missing. Goodness to parents is missing. Goodness to neighbor is missing. Courtesy is missing. Kindness is missing. The MBA is there, the PhD is there, but basic manners aren't there, you know. Our spiritual connection to Allah is not there. You know, they're so successful, they've, they've bought their mother a house, <coughs> and they've got the car, and everything's taken care of, and all the medical expenses are taken care of, and, no, no, and they can go on vacation every year, and he can send his mother to Umrah and whatever she wants or whatever, but he won't pray. He, mother's crying, he doesn't pray. Zurriya is there, a lot of tayyibat are there, but something's missing. He السلام, asks, Ya Allah, provide me a child. And he recognizes just because he's a prophet doesn't mean that he'll have a child that's going to be righteous. That's not a guarantee. Nuh السلام, did not necessarily have a righteous child. Yusuf السلام, did not necessarily have righteous children. Right? So just because you have, your, Allah has given you prophethood doesn't mean that it's passed down. And he's in the presence of someone who's not a prophet. Right? So he's, he's for example, Maryam's mom was not a prophet. Allah gave her a good child. So, you know, goodness is not inherited. It's not genetic. You don't get to say, I have this last name, therefore I have, you know, good lineage. And therefore, you know, but, but as I was explaining in the dua series, good, you know, the, the lineage of prophets is actually their behavior and modeling their behavior. Like Nuh was told, that's not your child because he's a, he's a no good deed. He just, all he does is no good. That's why he's not your child. So being good is actually what makes someone from the inheritors of, of prophets. So he says that to Allah, Rabbi habli min The other important, beautiful thing that we learn here is that when you see someone else that Allah has provided, 
Like, you know, somebody was diagnosed with cancer or something, and they were given six months. And I've, I've known people like that. They were given six months. And then they asked Allah. And then they went back to the doctor, and the doctor's like, where'd it go? Well, you haven't even started your chemo. What, what is this? What did you do? I'm like, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I just, I just prayed, you know? And then you hear those incredible stories or meet those incredible people. When you meet them, you should be inspired. When you see some incredible gifts from Allah given to someone. I met a, I had a friend in, in Albany, New York. It's okay. If once he hears this, he'll be like, oh my God, he mentioned me. Yes, I did. So Albany, New York, his, his, uh, his son, they used to live on the, on the fourth floor of an apartment building. The son jumped out of the fourth floor window, fell out, two years old, fell out, landed, no harm, nothing, completely fine. We just came down, pick him up, and, you know, ambulance was called, check if there's any broken bones, nothing. Completely safe and sound. <laughs> when Allah decides to protect, He protects. What angels caught him and landed him safely, Allah knows. <laughs> you know? So, in Allah yarzuqu man yasha'u Allah provides however He wants, to whoever He wants, without, any, without our imagination getting in the, in the way. Our limits, our hisab gets in the way. Allah says, بِغَيْرِ hisab. So when you see something like that, when you hear a story like that, when you meet people like that, and, and it's not just about miraculous events. It's also about, you know, Allah has given somebody, you know, who was like you, and Allah provided them knowledge. Or Allah provided them, you know, a, a good life. Or Allah provided them a good spouse. Or Allah provided them something that you have been longing for. Something that you wish you had. It's okay. When you see that, then you turn to Allah and say, Ya Allah, you provide whoever you want, provide me also. Give me also. And it's okay to ask for specific things. Zakariya didn't say, Ya Allah, if you want to give me a child, it's okay. If you don't want to give me, it's okay. I, you decide. No, no, no. He really wants a child. So he put in his wish. He put in his request. And that's okay. You put in your request to Allah. And that's, a, that's an important tradition that we carry forward. And it becomes a sunnah of prophets. That even when they see, they are so gifted by Allah Himself. Allah speaks to them directly. right? And when they see other believers... With something Allah has provided them, they get inspired by even other believers. So who are we to not take inspiration from others and to learn from them and to want what they have? It's okay to want what they have, but jealousy is something else. To say, why did, Ya Allah, why did you give this girl? And I've been a prophet all this time. I've been praying so many more years than she ever has and you haven't given me. And she gets fruits from out of season and would have been so much easier if I just had a baby. No, no, no. You don't, you don't complain about what someone else has. Or question, why do they have it? No, you say, Ya Allah, you provided them. And just as you provided them, Ya Allah, give me the gift too. And by the way, hab, wahaba yahabu, to, to give a gift. And a gift is not something you can ever expect. Right? You can't actually technically say, hey, where's my gift? Because if you're going to ask for a gift, that means you're owed. And that's a kind of compensation. And a compensation is not the same as a gift. Like, you know, when your boss owes you a paycheck, you don't say, can you give me the gift of my paycheck? No, it's not a gift. You owe me my money, man. That's my, I worked hard. That's, that's actually not your money. It's mine. I worked. I earned it. But a gift is not something that can be earned. And a gift is not something that can be deserved. Kids, get that in your head. You don't deserve a gift at Eid. It's a gift. It's not a paycheck. Like, 
<laughs> and we have this notion that gifts are deserved. They're not. He's turning to Allah and saying, Habli Ya Allah, when you do give me, it'll be a gift. I, I, and I recognize when, a, when Allah gives that I didn't deserve it. And if He didn't give, that's okay because it was going to be a gift anyway. It wasn't something that I was owed. So that acknowledgement is captured inside the word hab. Then milladunka also. You know, she said, huwa min indillah. When, when he asked her, where did this risk come from? She said, it is from indillah, from, you know, in the company of Allah, from, from Allah himself. But, you know, you could say minallah in Arabic. You could say minallah. And he could also say, habli minka dhurriyatan tayyibatan. But instead of min, she says min indillah, and he says milladunka. So there are two additional words here between from you, from Allah. It's from and then end of Allah. It's very difficult to translate end in, in English here. Also ladun. But I'll try to explain this to you. We know in the story of Musa and Khadir, we find these two words together. So when Musa salam meets this individual at the end of Surah Al-Kahf, the story is mentioned. Allah says, آتَيْنَاهُ رَحْمَةً مِنْ عِنْدِنَا وَعَلَّمْنَاهُ مِنْ لَدُنَّا عِلْمًا so عندنا لدنا in the same ayah. What does that mean? And this is the same thing. Both these words are mentioned in proximity of each other to highlight that they're different from each other. If I say I have something with me, huwa عندي in Arabic. If I say something is with me, عندي. Uh, for example, if somebody says to you, do you have a car? عندي سيارة. I have a car. I have a car. But when I say عند, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's right here. It means it's somewhere within my reach. I have I happen to have a car. I could actually even say Indi Sayara when I'm in if I'm traveling to New York and somebody says, Do you have a car? I say I have a car. That doesn't mean it's parked outside. It's all the way in Texas. Right? You understand? So Inda can be something that is even far away from you, but you have access to it. You have access to it. Ladun is actually used for when something is being kept very special in a vault or you know, it, no one has access to it except I do. Like if I had some secret file or if I had some key to some, you know, vault or something and I'm keeping it in a safe deposit box somewhere, you know, this is milladunka. Can you from your special secret safe place give me this thing that you have? It's not just something lying around. It's not like a car parked outside. It's not like you know, food in the pantry. There's you know, some British chocolate you bought that you've been hiding somewhere, a special shelf somewhere, so that the kids don't eat it. That's Milladunga. She says, Allah provides from him, it's from Allah. This is not out of the ordinary for Allah to do. So she's actually, first of all, she's acknowledging it is especially from Allah, but she's not going out of her way to say, this came from some special treasure of Allah. She doesn't, she's not saying that. But Zakaria alayhi salam says, Ya Allah, I want a special child. I don't just want a child. I want a child that is from some special, you know, treasure vault of yours that you've gifted in ways that others aren't gifted. And where is that captured? Ladunka. He doesn't say, Habli min indika dhurriyatan tayyibatan. He says, Min ladunka dhurriyatan tayyibatan. That lada is actually the closeness to Allah. And by the way, ladun is used when if I, if I say, you know, ladayya qalam. I have a pen. Also translated, I have a pen. But I have to have it in my possession right now. It has to be right next to me. It can't be somewhere far away. So the idea, Ya Allah, from your, from your, from your special closeness, I want a child. 
And it's remarkable that it's that special closeness to Allah that Allah gave him Yahya It's actually, it's responding to the words of Zakariya Certainly you are the hearer of the call. You hear the call all, and Sami' is different from Sami' Sami' and Sami' are, are, are different. Sami' the one who listens right now. Sami' the one who always hears. Not just right now, you've always been hearing my call. In other words, he's not saying, Ya Allah, all these years I've been making dua, all these years I've been, I've been asking you. I'm not saying that Allah, you didn't hear me all those times. I'm saying you've heard me all the time. You've heard every single one of those du'as. Just like you're hearing this one. Innaka sami'ud du'a. And there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt. You know, people, if they're make, praying for something for a long time and it's not answered, then you know what they, they start saying? I've been making dua for so long, Allah hasn't heard. Allah hasn't listened to my dua. He's in his old age and a lifetime of making dua like that. And he says, Allah, you've always heard. In other words, we don't doubt that Allah hears dua just because it didn't get answered on our terms. There's a difference between those two things. Allah will answer on his terms. You know, something you should think about in the... Um, it's a small bit of contemplation. It's, and again, it has to do with children. You know, the mother of Musa salam and the mother... Uh, or the father of Yusuf salam. They both lost children. Yusuf salam's father lost Yusuf. Musa salam's mother lost Musa. Put him in the basket. They both made dua to be reunited with their children. And the mother was reunited with her child a few hours later. Like he ended up in the castle, started crying. The wet nurses came out, started looking for who can feed him. He wouldn't drink anybody's milk. And then his sister got him connected again. And a few hours later, mom and child are back together. Dua answered, but in how long? Within 24 hours. Yaqub has lost his child. Yusuf He's also making dua. And as a matter of fact, the mother of Musa is not a prophet. The mother of Musa is not a prophet. And she makes dua and her dua gets answered a couple of hours. Yaqub is a prophet or no? He's a prophet. And he makes dua to be reunited with his child. How long does that dua take to get answered? Decades. This boy lost his youth, then he lost his young man, this age in jail. And way down the road, he gets to see him again. And people start thinking, Allah isn't answering my prayer because maybe I'm not close enough to Allah. Wait a second, a prophet prayed, and it took that long. And someone who's not a prophet prayed, and it... Because the schedule of when a dua is answered and how it's answered, Allah provides whoever He wants without any limits. He's the one who hears all the duas, but He decides when to provide what. That's a humility we have to hold to ourselves. We don't unfairly judge ourselves and say our dua is not good enough. We shouldn't say that about ourselves. And on the other hand, we shouldn't put an expectation on Allah. Allah, where's, where's the answer already? I placed the order a couple of days ago and it's still not delivered. Is there a tracking number I can have on this dua? Because it's, you know, it's not going to work like that. So he made dua in his old age. And by the way, that's the other thing. You know, you could say, I'm, I'm you know, Surah Maryam, he describes, Right, I'm, I'm, I'm done now. One foot is in the grave. You know, my wife couldn't even have a child when she was young. Now it's, you know, we're both basically now ready to meet Allah. There's no time for that dua anymore. Now we should make dua for, Ya Allah, an easy death or just istighfar or, you know, because life is over. 
this man السلام, doesn't lose his hope in making the dua that a young man makes at that age. It shows you the kind of you know, blind hopefulness that you have to have in Allah. When, you see, when he sees this young girl being provided, he's inspired and he says, Ya Allah, I'm going to ask you because anyone can ask you. No one should turn from you without hope. No one should look at their circumstances and say, Allah, how is Allah going to give me? No, I should just ask. إِنَّكَ سَمِيعُ الدُّعَى فَنَادَتْهُ الْمَلَائِكَةَ The fa'il الْمُفَاجَعَةِ Some argue that while he was, he was actually in the quarters of Maryam alayha, he saw the food and he started making, he started praying. Like he started making salah. And in his salah, he asked Allah this dua. That's the other beautiful thing here is that we ask Allah for what we want in our salah. In our salah. That's a sunnah of prophets. In our salah. Why is that important? Because when you are in your salah, you are reciting the word of Allah, you are closest to Allah in the moments of salah. And when you are closest to Allah, that's the time to ask. That's something Allah put in human nature, not, e- not even with Allah, with all of our relationships. If there's a moment where your boss is being nice, there's a moment of closeness, maybe that's the time to slip in something about a raise. If there's a moment where mom's being extra nice, I'm so proud of you, beta. It's like, hey mom, can we go on and get a burger today? That's the time to ask. Not when she's upset, not when you're doing other stuff, but what is... There are moments of closeness where you can slip a request in. Even Asiya, she slipped in the, you know, Fir'aun is usually in a bad mood. But when he saw Musa salam, and there was a moment of closeness and softness, he said, can we keep him? Like if she said, can we keep him any other time, what, what would he have said? No. Execute the baby, like all the other babies. But there was a moment of closeness. We have to learn that with Allah Azza wa Jal, Allah is teaching us something. There, when there's a moment, and Wallahi al-Mathal al-A'la, when when we are when Allah is teaching us, when we are in our closest moments to Allah, it's inside of our prayer. Also, it's teaching us when you see something amazing in, that somebody else has been given, it should inspire you to get close to Allah immediately. And what should you do? Pray. Just when you see something awesome, just make two rakah. Just do that. It's a beautiful thing you can bring into your life. You see something amazing that somebody else has, just go make wudu, pray two rakah. Doesn't matter what time, doesn't matter where. And in that prayer, when you're in sajda, just ask Allah. Just ask Allah. That's, that's the inspiration of, you know, Zakariya alayhi salam in these ayat. So he asked Allah, because we're going to learn. We, right now we just learned that right then and there, he was inspired to ask Allah. But we don't learn that he started making salah and then he asked Allah. That's coming a little bit later. It's gonna, Allah is going to unravel what happened. Then immediately the angels called on him. وَهُوَ قَائِمٌ While he was standing, يُصَلِّي فِي الْمِحْرَابِ Praying in the mihrab. Remember, دَخَلَ عَلَيْهَا زَكَرِيَا الْمِحْرَابِ It's the same al-mihrab. So he's still, he hasn't even left the room yet. He's still with Maryam Salamun alayha. And he's in prayer. And in that prayer, the angels start talking to him. In his salah, the angels start talking to him. The biblical account says that Jibreel started talking to him. How do we reconcile that Jibreel, and of course in, in, in Quran also, Jibreel spoke to Maryam. But it says malaika, angels. Angels called on him. It actually suggests that Allah sent an entire legion of angels to congratulate Zakariya. And then they all addressed him and got his attention, and then the leader spoke. Like then the leader, meaning Jibreel, spoke. But you know, Jibreel 
we learned that he doesn't travel alone all the time. Muta'in thamma amin. He has a following. He's got a following. So Jibreel comes with an entire entourage of angels that descend. And so he's just standing in this prayer alone and angels descend and start calling on him. Yusalli fil mihrab while he's praying in the, in the quarters. That Allah, and by the way, this conversation, if we accept the premise, there's two scenarios. One scenario is he left, he went to his own home, he went to his own mihrab, he started praying, then this happened. Other scenario is he's still in the same mihrab as who? Maryam salamun alayha. Now both of them are different. One of them, if he's in, let's just imagine he's still in the same room as Maryam salamun alayha. Then this conversation is happening not by the tongue. It's happening in his heart while he's in prayer. So what the angels are saying, he's hearing from the ears of his heart. And what he's responding to is responding from the tongue of his heart. Maryam has no idea what's going on. She just sees a man praying. You understand? Or this happens when he leaves and he's in his own space and he's praying and all of a sudden the angels interrupt the prayer and he says, and he, the conversation begins and it's actually salty, it's, it's heard. I'm personally more inclined to think this happened while he was still there. Allahu alam. But it seems from the language to me that he's still right there because hunalika, right then and there. Fa nadatu, not falamma nadatu, you know, you know, or idha nadatu, or idh nadatu. It's fa is mufaja, it's immediate, it's right then and there. And so this conversation is happening. She doesn't even know that her room was visited by angels giving good news of a child twice. <laughs> like... First they bring fruit and food out of season. Now they're going to bring a child to this old man out of season, alayhi salam. Then they're going to bring her a child out of season. You know, this, this is a, a sunnah established in, in the space that she's in. So anyway, يُصَلِّ فِي الْمِحْرَابِ He's making, he's praying, connecting to Allah in the mihrab. أَنَّ اللَّهَ يُبَشِّرُكَ By the way, وَهُوَ قَائِمٌ يُصَلِّ فِي الْمِحْرَابِ You know, no words in Qur'an are extra. Every word deserves attention. Every word is giving us a message. So when Allah says, the angels called him, it would have been enough that Allah says, the angels called him and told him, you're going to have a son. That would have been enough. But Allah says, the angels called him while he was standing. Standing is an extra detail. You don't even have to have standing. You could say, The angels called him and he was praying. But Allah, you know, prayer is standing, prayer is ruku'ah, prayer is sujood. Of all of those, which one did Allah highlight? Standing. There's something special about the standing in the prayer that is different from all the other acts. He highlights that particular act. Now the thing is, the dua happens when we go into sujood. Dua is in sujood. Dua is when you recite or you say what you want. You understand? But when you're standing, do you make dua when you're standing? What do you do when you're standing? You recite what Allah wants you to recite. So the difference is, when you're standing, you are engaged in Allah's words. When you're in sajda, you have room to ask for your words. The angels come to him when he was doing what he needs or what Allah wants of him. What Allah wants of him. It's a very powerful thing. Qiyam is a very powerful thing. We want to hurry up into sajda. Before you hurry into sajda, give qiyam its time. Stand in front. Qumu lillahi qaniteen. Allah didn't just say, sallu, pray. He said, stand in front of Allah, humbly. 
He didn't just say pray. He said, Make the prayer stand. Iqama is from Qiyam, standing. So the standing of the prayer is being highlighted here unusually. While he was standing, reciting the word of Allah, that is when the angel spoke to him. You speak to Allah and Allah guarantees He will speak to you. He will respond to you. Fastajibuli. This is the ishara that's been given in these beautiful ayat. And so as he's standing, connecting with Allah in the mihrab, and then the fil mihrab is important. Fil mihrab, I already told you it's important because perhaps it's highlighting he hasn't even left the room. But the other reason it's important is perhaps Allah is teaching us you need to find a place that is alone, that is not disturbing, and there's not other, other stuff is not going on where you can truly stand in front of Allah. Whether it's you know two feet in front of you, whether it's some corner in the house, but you need to have some kind of mihrab for yourself where you can truly connect with Allah. And I'm using the word connect deliberately because that's what yusalli means. Salah yusalli actually means to connect, not just to pray. So standing, connecting to Allah in that solitude, in the, that place of solitude. أَنَّ اللَّهَ يُبَشِّرُكَ بِيَحْيَىٰ So when they called him, they said, Allah, is, Allah Himself is giving you congratulations of Yahya. In, this, in these ayat, Yahya. In other places, in Surah Maryam, it's a little bit different. You know? And Allah says, Allah congratulates you, you're going to have a boy. Ghulam. But here he says Yahya, just go straight to the name. As if Allah didn't just tell you the child, Allah told you the name of the child. Allah named the child also. Allah named the child. Because you say, congratulations, you're going to have a boy. Right? And in the previous, just a, just a few moments ago, we learned... The mother said, I'm going to name her Maryam. I'm going to name her Maryam. Isn't that the case? Here, it's not, I'm going to name him Yahya. Allah already named him. Allah already named him. By the way, I mean, you know, when a child is born, you say, so what are you going to name him? Thinking about it, we're going through five or six different names. I've emailed Ustad Numan for the meanings of them. People email me names of baby questions, meanings of baby names all the time. It's like the most common question I get. Can you imagine your child is named by Allah? Isn't that something especially from Allah's vaults? What word am I reminding you of? Isn't it? Allah especially sent not only news of a child, but the name of the child. It's incredible. So he says, Allah gives you good news of Yahya. Before I go on to the rest of the qualities of Yahya salam, just some things about the name Yahya that you should know. Take, uh, these are from uh, notes from a book called The Onomastic Miracles of the Qur'an, Al-Asma Al-Ajam, Al-Qur'an Al-Kareem. It's a remarkable author. Abdurraf, the book has actually been translated into English. The English is very difficult. But the, the Arabic is really beautiful. But if you can get a copy of it, it's two volumes. It's all the names in the Qur'an that are not Arabic and what they mean, okay, and how the Qur'an uses them, and how they were used before, and the author of it is actually someone who, was, uh, who studied eight uh, multi- multiple languages, eight of them, uh, all of the languages that are found in the Qur'an that are not Arabic, like ancient, you know, he did research into ancient uh, Iraqi, the Babylonian dialect, Greek, you know, Hebrew, Aramaic, and just remarkable, remarkable research, and uh, his name is Abdul Rauf. So anyway, this is a summary of his notes on Yahya. So I'll read that to you. Taken from the Gospels, the Greek name Ioannis, or John, has been misconstrued by Christian and Hebrew scholars to be derived from the Hebrew name Yohanan. So Yohanna or Yohanan. 
uh, a name that is well uh, that was well known long before John the Baptist. So Yohanan or Johanan was a name that was already popular. That wouldn't be the we couldn't accept that interpretation that this name comes from there because we learn in the Quran min qablu We have never given this name to anyone before. We have never given provided anybody a name before. Okay. In reality, the name Yohannes is derived from the unprecedented Hebrew name Yohanni. And Allah says, Ya Zakariya, inna nubashiruka bi ghulamin ismuhu Yahya. Lam naj'allahu min qablu samiyya. Yahya, we are congratulating you of a boy. His name is Yahya. <coughs> we haven't given this name, or we have never provided anyone thus, such a name. This verse confirms the passage in the New Testament. Now listen to this, what they still have in the New Testament. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. So Yahya's name was going to be given what? Zechariah. They were going to name him Zechariah just like his dad. But his mother said, no, he's to be called John. Basically, Yahya. He's going to be called Yahya instead. They said to her, none of your relatives has this name. They literally said, nobody has this name. Why would you name him this? Then they began motioning to his father to find out the name he wanted to give him. The father being who? Zechariah. And we're going to learn, Zechariah was told, don't speak. For three days, don't speak. There's some parallels of that. There's it's inconsistencies with the Bible, but there are some parallels. What does he say? He asks for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. He didn't say it, he wrote it. And then all of them were amazed. This is in Luke, one, you know, chapter 159 to 63. So when he said that his name is going to be Yahya, they were all, this is a name we haven't heard before. And he, he wrote it, he didn't even say it. This is from the biblical account. Yohanna is comprised, comprised of yo or you, which is short for Yahweh, which actually occurs in Hebrew um, for, for God. And this is the, the Yah in the beginning is used, or you is you, beginning, in the beginning is used for Hebrew names like Yunathan, which became Jonathan, Yunathan, okay? Or Yohanan or Yusuf, Joseph. So the U occurs in multiple names in Hebrew names. And Hanne is derived from the Hebrew trilateral Ha, Nun, and Alif or ya, you can say, the equivalent of hasr in Arabic, or to, which is to decline or to stop. To decline or to stop. Thus the name John means he who God has restrained, he who God has stopped, or he who God has made abstinent, meaning stop from desire, stop from having children, stop from getting married, stop from pursuing his desires for the opposite gender. The Quranic name Yahya in the, is the third person masculine singular, uh, you know, Yahya is also, Allah chose the word Yahya for Arabic, the Arabic version. And it's interesting that Yahya means to live. Hayya, Hayya Yahya, the, the verb is actually Yahya. Okay. But it also comes from Istihya, to be shy. Hayya. And his meaning is someone who won't get married. And in the Arabic sense, it also means the one who lives shyly. The one who lives a modest life. So it's actually a really beautiful choice of name uh, for Yahya alayhi salam. So thus the Hebrew meaning and the, uh, the Arabic meaning actually miraculously coincide, or coincide to be modest, to be chaste, to be timid, to be shy, uh, and thus to be alive. The other interesting thing is he was shaheed. Right? He was martyred. And what does Allah say about those who are martyred? Bal ahya. They're alive. So you're going to get good news of a child who will live in the most beautiful way even when he is martyred, he's going to be alive because a shaheed is hay, 
you know. So it's it's a really beautiful name that captures the legacy of Yahya before the legacy is even known. So the first description of Yahya, مُصَدِّقًا بِكَلِمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ Allah is congratulating you of Yahya who is going to be sent as a confirmer, a confirmer and a verifier of a word from Allah. He will, he will declare a word from Allah is true. Musaddiq means you look at something, you read a report and say, I verify that this is true. Then you did tasdeeq of it. That's called musaddiq. I'm the musaddiq of it when I verified that this is true. Somebody, you know, for example, comes and tells me, Hey, Ustad, is this your Facebook profile? Yep, that's me. I just verified that it's true. I don't believe you. Okay, here's a voice note. It's me. <laughs> oh, okay, it's you. So if, when that happens, that's tasdeeq. Allah says, He will do tasdeeq of a word from Allah. So the question became, what is this word from Allah that He's going to do tasdeeq of? Is it Torah that He will confirm? The actual Torah? Is it Injil that will be given to Isa salam? Later on in these ayat, we're going to see that Allah will call Isa salam himself a word from Allah. Isa, one of his descriptions in the Quran is a word from Allah. Yahya salam is considered the confirmer of Isa a.s. He was to, to Isa a.s. was what Abu Bakr was to Rasulullah That's actually the relationship the two of them had. You know, there are some really wild narrations that, you know, when she was pregnant with Yahya, his wife was pregnant with Yahya, and Maryam was pregnant with Isa a.s. That she would actually, when they would sit together, because they were, they were only three months apart. Okay, so he's, he's three months older. Yahya is three months older. So when this happened, and they were both pregnant, sometimes the mother of Yahya would say, the baby in my womb is leaning towards your baby. Every time we're in proximity, it leans towards your baby. Like he was already confirming, or leaning towards, or supporting, you know, Isa even before coming out of the womb. This, this is what some narration suggests, subhanAllah. So, you know, فَنَادَتُهُ الْمَلَائِكَ وَهُوَ قَائِمٌ يُصَلِّي فِي الْمِحْرَابِ أَنَّ اللَّهَ يُبَشِّرُكَ بِيَحْيَا مُصَدِّقًا بِكَلِمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ He's going to confirm a word that comes from Allah, meaning he's going to confirm Isa salam, which is going to get him, get him into a lot of trouble. Isa salam, when, he, when he's born, he's going to know the entire Torah even as a baby. And he's going to be calling people out. Even as a young age, he's going to be calling out the corrupt rabbis. He's going to be getting himself in a lot of trouble. He's going to be considered a rebellious troublemaker. You went from Maryam, who everybody loved and respected, then all of a sudden she got accused of the worst thing, and then her child comes out, the worst rebel among the rabbis. And he's backing him up. So he's the other troublemaker. Oh, you're related. You guys are defiling, defiling the, the legacy of your father and your uncle Zechariah. We respected Zechariah. What, what is this trouble that you guys are making? And it's interesting. What did Zechariah say about those people that are going to give them trouble? The people that are in charge behind me, I'm afraid of them. And they're the same people that are giving Isa salam and Yahya salam trouble. Right? So Allah says that He will make him someone who confirms the word from Allah. And then you would think that if He's going to do that, then He's going to have an assistant role to Isa salam. Right? He just only plays a role where He's always you know, supporting Isa salam. But Allah says, no, He doesn't just have a backup role. He's a leader in His own right. And He's a leader by Himself too. He himself will lead. He himself will actually be a role model. People will follow him and take his leadership. Also even suggest that perhaps Isa would take his suggestions seriously. 
he would take, let him take the lead on some things. So they had a good partnership between each other of prophethood. Okay? Um, so he didn't receive revelation of Torah and Injil. That the revelation came to Isa a.s. He's the one supporting him and backing him up. So he's a, he's a leader also. And then Hasuran. Hasuran is fa'ul from uh, maf'ul. That sometimes the fa'ul form is used to describe the ism maf'ul, which means hasr means exclusive. Mahsur, the one who is left alone, meaning the one who is chaste, the one who doesn't get married, the one who stays that way. And the difference between mahsur and hasur is hasur is lazim, as opposed to being you know, the passive form. What that means is on his own, he decides that he doesn't want to pursue that. Not that he has been made incapable of it. If he was made incapable of it, the word would have been mahsur. Because some people tried to suggest that he was, you know, he was castrated and things like that. That's not the case. That would have been mahsur. This is hasur. Hasur suggests that he himself did, you know, decided that he will not. And by the way, something about uh, Sayyid that I should have mentioned. Sayyid to the Arabs is someone who the most important missions are handed to. Someone who doesn't take a small responsibility, takes a very big responsibility is called a Sayyid. Someone who is responsible for a lot of people. Someone who takes on a lot of pain so other people can be in comfort. These are the qualities of a Sayyid, which is why you have the famous saying in Arabic, Sayyidul Qawmi Khadimuhum, that the leader of a people is their servant. Right? He, he bears the brunt of all the difficulty so that people can be at ease. So, وَحَصُورًا فَتَعَيَّنَ أَنْ يَكُونَ ذِكْرَ هَذِهِ الصِّفَ لِيَحْيَا إِعْلَامًا لِزَكَرِيَّا بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ وَاهَبَهُ وَلَدًا إِجَابَةً لِدَعْوَتِهِ إِذْ قَالْ فَهَبْ لِي مِنْ لَدُنْكَ وَلِيًّا يَرِثُنِي you know, Allah mentions that he is, this child is going to be not only not interested in marriage, because Allah could have just mentioned that word too. But mahsur actually means he's cut off from all other concerns. He's isolated from worldly pursuits. This is actually, Ibn Ashur says, this is Allah honoring Zakariyah when he said, give me a pure child. A child that is pure, meaning pure from other wants also. So I'm giving you a child who is cut off from the desires of this world. And he will exclusively dedicate himself to your legacy, the legacy of carrying the Torah and confirming the truth. So this is actually Allah honoring uh, his prophet Zakariya in the way that he responded to him. And that's not enough. You, you, we won't just have a child that's pure and a leader and confirming the word of Allah, but also الصالحين, and a prophet among the good. Now the other interesting thing, Nabiyan is enough, he's a prophet. And Nabiyan min salihin a prophet from among the good people? Well, what does this mean? It actually means that he, a salihin here is a reference to the good prophets that have always come before. It's not salihin in the general sense of good people, the good community, but salihin here is referring to Allah Azza wa has given you of the good lineage of prophets. Those, those upright lineage, because you know, Banu Israel, they're all blessed people, but some of them didn't uphold the goodness that was given to them. Allah is giving you a prophet, keeping up with the goodness that He's given to previous prophets in this line. So you're continuing the line of prophecy in your lineage. Now this ayah, as I'll conclude, this ayah has been looked at in two ways, this, this coming ayah. قَالَ رَبِّي Master, how in the world can I possibly have a boy? How in the world can I possibly have a boy? Now he doesn't say a child. He says, boy, Ghulam is at least nine years old. In Arabic, Ghulam is at least nine, ten years old. Why does he 
How does Zakariya know this boy is going to get that old? Well, another place in Quran, Allah says, I'm giving you good news of a boy. Not only will you have a baby, he'll grow up to be a young boy. So, and, and even in his boyhood, he will develop these qualities. So perhaps picking up from the language of the other place in Quran, so with Maryam, you know, he's responding. But the other important thing is, how am I going to have this child? By the way, ghulam in Urdu means servant. Ghulam doesn't mean servant in Arabic. It means boy. It has nothing to do with ghulami. Okay? It has nothing to do with that. Okay? So, uh, you know, people in Urdu, they name their, themselves ghulam rasul and things like that. Right? Uh, but ghulam, that must be the Urdu meaning, but not the Arabic meaning. Okay? So, anna yakunu li ghulam, how in the world am I going to have a boy? It sounds like he's shocked. Like, how is this possible? Old age has reached me, and my, my wife has always been barren. She's, she's barren now, and she's always been. She was, from the beginning, even in young age, she couldn't have a child. So, this is one way of reading this. But another way of reading it actually is that this shock that, that he, he uh, mentions is actually out of joy. He made dua to Allah, give me a good, good child. When Allah gives him the child, he doesn't say, how is this going to be possible? That would mean that he made dua believing that it's impossible. But a prophet doesn't make dua not believing that it's possible. Right? The purpose of dua is that you actually truly believe anything's possible. In Allah, So a better reading of this ayah is, Ya Rabb, how am I going to have a boy? I'm going to have a boy. I'm this old. My wife is barren. We're still going to have a boy? Like, there's not a how. There's a yes. There's an excitement. Oh my God, how? This is a happy how. Not a shocked, I don't understand how this works. How? And that's actually the reading of it because he just asked Allah. He just, he just turned to Allah. How, why would he be in disbelief if Allah is answering the thing that he asked for himself? So, old age has reached me. Even though old age has reached me. It's interesting. Old age has reached me is different from saying I'm old. I reached old age. I reached old age. I've gotten old. Or shikhtu, I've become a sheikh, I've become old. But he says, old age has reached me. As if old age may reach me, but that doesn't mean that my capabilities are gone. Allah can take the old age that has reached me and put it on hold, and I'm going to be capable. And even though my wife is still barren, this is the jumla ismiya, she's still barren, as she always has been, it doesn't matter. And then the angel confirmed his joy and said, That is how Allah does what He wants. You're right. That is how Allah does what He wants. Notice the word, يَفْعَلُ Allah does what He wants. Allah, what's Allah's doing here? Allah's doing here is making an old man capable of having a child. A woman that's never been able to conceive, able to conceive at an old age when it's impossible for her anyway. This is what Allah does. This is what Allah's doing is. Notice the word yaf'alu is going to change to yakhluku later on. It's not going to be yaf'alu, it's going to be yakhluku. And when we get there, I'll explain you know, uh, the implications of that. So I'll stop the story here inshallah ta'ala. And we'll pick up from uh, you know, the, the sign that he asked Allah for. 
and what Allah Azza wa Jal asked of him and how he uh, carried out that sign. And we'll go from there, we'll go to the birth of Maryam. Salaamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.